Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome to another edition of Student Ministry Matters. My name is Dan Carson, and with me is Chris Vine. Say hi, Chris. Hey, guys. Uh, now, on today's podcast, we're going to be continuing the conversation about student ministry with a special interview with our friend Ben South of Chair Two Leaders podcast. Ben South and Danny Smith are, share weekly uh, conversations about issues affecting second chair leaders. Now, most of us in student ministry fall into that category. We're often the second, third, or even fourth chair leader. Uh, rarely are we the primary leader in the church. And whether we have a youth group of five or 50 or 500, uh, we answer to a lead pastor. Uh, so today we wanted to talk about some of those issues and focus on how we can be better second chair leaders. Now, before we get to that, we want to thank our ministry partners at Central Baptist College. No matter where you are in the process, Central Baptist College can help you finish that degree that you may have started years ago and get some more ministry training that you need and you're looking for. Their PACE program has a variety of modes in which you can pursue that degree. And if you want to check it out, you can find more information at cbc.edu. So contact the team and they'll help you figure out some next steps. Well, Ben, thank you for being on the podcast with us. Well, thanks for inviting me, guys. Good to spend a little bit of time with you and looking forward to the conversation tonight. Uh, ben, we, we would love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Um, would you share just a little bit about yourself and where and how you're serving the Lord's Church? Sure. Uh, glad to do it. I'm Ben South, like you've said. I serve currently at Central Baptist Church in Conway, Arkansas. I have been here for 19 years on staff, started out as a children's pastor here, and then moved a few years ago into the role of adult education and missions and do some administration type things here in the church office. So I'm a long-term chair too, if you will, uh, at one church. I, this is a, really the only church I've ever served full-time ministry, but we've served here for going on 20 years with a good team of uh, staff members here. My wife and I, we live here in Conway. We have four kids uh, who are 17, 13, 10, and 5. So they keep us busy. We're going to have one going in senior year and kindergarten next year. So we've got a gamut of ages there. <laughs> it keeps us busy. I tell people it keeps us young and makes us old all at the same time. But yeah, we serve here and we just we did foster care for several years. We had at one point when about a five year period, we had 30 different kids who came through our home. It was a great type of ministry to get involved with. We serve here and we involved with life groups here at our church a lot and just serve where we can. We homeschool our kids. So we're with them a lot. And my wife leads a co-op for home kids and work with the local homeschool athletic group. And so we try to be as involved as we can in many different areas. Well, Ben, you mentioned um, you've been at your church for 19 years, which is incredible. I mean, long-term ministry, that's what we all want and kind of dream of. Um, but many of us move around, especially student ministry workers. They have a tendency to stay that two, three years, hopefully 
that's that's a trend that is shifting away, you know, that we're going to be seeing other long-term guys. You know, I know your youth pastor there at, at Central has been there for a long time as well, hasn't he? He has. I, 21, 22 years. So I, on our church staff, we actually have over 125 years of pastoral experience at this church. Not just that overall, but 125 years at this one church. That's incredible. How how big is the church to put it in some context for our listeners? Pre-COVID, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's different. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were running about a thousand, a thousand to twelve hundred most weekends in our primary worship gatherings. About seven hundred or so in our main groups gathering every week. Post-COVID, it's different. Easter, we're recording this on Easter, so. Today was our biggest attendance we've had in over a year. So it was good to see a lot of those people coming back. So I think we're we're growing back, but we're not quite there. I know at our church, uh, Calvary and Fayetteville, we experienced some of that similar thing. We had some people back that hadn't been back since March of 2020. It was great to see them, uh, to feel that excitement, to have what looked more like a full, full house. I know I, I stepped up on the platform and was almost taken aback like, there's too many people in here. <laughs> who, so, who are all these people? <laughs> yeah. So, well, Ben, I, I love to hear people's stories. And so how did you come to know Jesus and understand that he wanted you to serve in ministry? Well, if I'm honest, I don't remember a time in my life where I didn't know Jesus. Uh, I grew up in a pastor's home. Both of my grandfathers were pastors. My dad was a pastor. I don't remember a time when I didn't go to church. Um, and it just was a part of my life. But I was saved when I was eight years old, put my faith in Christ. Did I understand everything about salvation at that point? Absolutely not. Um, and honestly, I think in some ways it caused me some later on some moments of doubt uh, just because I was so young. And I, I jokingly somewhat tell people, you know, all my bad sins have been done since I've been saved because I was saved at a young age. And I don't hadn't have this radical testimony of sin-filled life. But I was raised in a godly home, and it was just, I was saved, I think, primarily, obviously, because of the, the gracious work of God, but because of a faithful family who was faithful to consistently and daily just live the gospel out before me. So I grew up in that environment. I went to Central Baptist College for school, intending to go pre-law and to get involved in politics, and thankfully, the Lord delivered me of that. And um, through a process of just kind of, it wasn't even like there was the service of this moment. God just kind of moved me and moved my heart toward ministry. I'm one of the rare guys who I've ordained in ministry, but I've never been licensed. So uh, there's few of us out there <laughs> that have that testimony. But I, I, God just kind of began opening doors for me to serve and do ministry. So I just kept stepping through those doors. Central here hired me. And a few years later, it's like, well, you're doing the work of a pastor here. Why don't we ordain you? There's really no point in go back and license you at this point because we, we know you have the call and uh, exhibited it. So we might as well just ordain you. So that was kind of my, it was a progressive just kind of over time, God just opening doors that he moved me into vocational ministry and serving him full time. And through that, just have developed a heart and a passion to serve the church and serve um, his people. Man, that's really cool. That's really cool. You know, I, I, I'm like, Dan, I think I could, I think I could uh, listen to people's stories just all day long. Um, but uh, man, I'm, I'm interested in your podcast too. Uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast, uh, Chair to Leaders. Yeah. Chair two leaders. Excuse Chair me. two leaders. Yeah, that's fun. Um, it's number two if you're looking for it. Um, yeah. 
So uh, Danny Smith has been a good friend of mine. We met in college, been friends for 20 plus years. He had been away for a while in ministry and came back and we were just eating breakfast one morning. He said, I want to talk to you about something. I had an idea. And he said, I've thought about doing podcasting. Have you ever thought about it? I said, you know, I have. And we talked through some different ideas and things we could do and got to looking for areas where there just wasn't a lot of podcast content out there for that. Talked with some friends who do some podcasts and just ran some ideas by them. And that's kind of where Chair 2 Leaders started because as we got to looking at podcasts, there were tons of podcasts out there directed at the senior pastor. There are tons of podcasts on books. There are tons of podcasts on leadership specifically, but there was just nothing that focused generally. There were some youth ministry podcasts. There's some worship ministry podcasts, but nothing generally on how does a leader who's not the senior pastor lead and lead well. So that was our hope is to kind of find a niche there that's included somewhat in everything else, because there are things that are spoken to senior pastors that apply to all church leaders. But there are some unique aspects of the chair to leader role and the position in the in the church or the ministry that are different and have a different perspective. And you don't have the ability or the right or the responsibility to do certain things and lead in certain ways. So you have to come at it from different directions. You have to uh, have a different approach sometimes when you're in that chair to role. So we just started talking and then we just start, Hey, why don't we just jump in and do it? So we've had a good time. We are about a dozen episodes in at this point. Um, so having a good time doing it. It's a good listen. I, I listened to you and I want to say three or four of your fellow staff members there at Central Share the other day. And that was yeah. a fantastic. That was a fun episode. That was a great, we just sat around one microphone and just had a talk. And for some of our church members, it's like, hey, you get to look into one of our staff meetings a little bit, kind of how we react with one another. I don't know if that's all good or not. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think this is such an important topic to cover? Well, the chair two leader is important because a lot of times I think sometimes we are seen when you're in the student ministry role, you're in a children's ministry role, those especially it's seen, well, they're a stepping stone. Eventually they're going to be the senior leader. They're going to be a senior pastor. I think that's somewhat uh, some people's expectations that, well, you're usually you're one day you're going to be a senior pastor. Well, that's not true for everybody. There are some people who are called to specifically that chair to role. I think I tell people, I said, if God ever called me to be a senior pastor, I could do it. If he called me to do it, he'd equip me and enable me to do that. I don't feel like he's called me to do that, especially at this point in my life. My, I tell people one of my, I think my good, you know, sweet spot for ministry is to be a strong second chair who supports the person who's out front doing most of the uh, talking and leading uh, from the front. Um, so there are a lot of people who are in these roles and sometimes there's this almost, um, does it, does it matter? It does what I do valuable. Yeah. And I want, we wanted to speak into, there is value in your role. Even if you aren't the senior leader, it doesn't have to just be a stepping stone to get somewhere else. This can be the goal to be a good chair two leader. Well, I know that there's this feeling Having been a, a chair two leader for much of my ministry, almost, well, except for maybe six or seven years where I was the lead pastor of a church plant, you know, it, it, there's this little bit of feeling less than, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you start thinking, okay, 
am I less than the the senior pastor, or the lead pastor? So I I love that you're having this conversation. Yeah, and, um, and you see that in the church even sometimes when you go to do a hospital visit. Oh, the senior pastor couldn't come. You know, <laughs> right? Like, oh, it's just you. My prayer just don't count. You know, <laughs> so, and so it, there is this idea of even in, in churches. I don't think people mean to be that way. But there is this, oh, you're just the associate pastor or you're just the youth pastor idea. Um, so we wanted to speak into that and just encourage, say, look, this is important, too. My favorite, my favorite one, my favorite comment is, uh, man, you're going to make a great preacher one day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm trying to I'm trying to do it today. But anyway. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for the encouragement. <laughs> <laughs> hey Ben, I'm I'm I want to just kind of toss a, a question in here real quick yeah. for you. Um, uh, that's uh, I, I don't know if I don't think I've asked you this before, but you know I, I I totally I totally love this idea this this whole conversation about a chair two leader, you know, and it seems like you know the what we're talking about here um, would do. You know, as far as a chair two leader would be defined by our our function, you know, in the church, right? And you've already mentioned, you know, a senior pastor and then you know an associate, a youth pastor, all these kind of things. You know, in in scripture, you know, we don't see these kind of distinctions being made, right? We just see pastor, elder, overseer, that kind of thing. And so we know that in church world, just the way our churches are structured, chair two leader makes makes sense. But how how would you maybe uh, in just a clear way, define a, a chair two leader. Uh, is it based off of how many times a, you preach each year? Is it based off of just um, you know? I mean, in other words, I'm just curious how how would you uh, how would you maybe define that uh, you know just for our listeners? Yeah, I think you hit on something very important as you started there because Scripture doesn't speak about you know it, it does just speak of the pastors and elders and overseers. Um, it doesn't say, you know, and, and here are the instructions for youth ministers. You know, yeah. Paul doesn't say when the worship pastor does this, this is the appropriate <laughs> task, the skills and things that he needs. So it does just speak to pastors. So I think it, depending on the church, it's all going to be different. Uh, there's a book that kind of is along this line called Leading from the Second Chair. And he roughly defines it this way. He says it's a person in a subordinate role whose influence with others adds value throughout the organization. So a chair two person is one who's not the one where the, the one on the, that's got the sign on their desk that says the buck stops here, hmm. you know, to, yeah. to j- kind of use a, you could have a sign that says the buck stops somewhere else. Ultimately. Hmm. Now yeah. don't use that as an excuse not to be responsible <laughs> and do your job, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but you're not the final say you're not the final authority because if you're a, a chair two, there is someone who's in that chair one who is responsible ultimately even for the things you do and say, and is going to have to answer for them. Uh, so I think that's what you have to understand with the chair two. You have to understand you're not the chair one and you have a position to play. You have, uh, it's just like in baseball, the second baseman doesn't run out to center field every time. And, and I, I saw a game the other day, I think it was on opening day where uh, they it may have been a college game the other day where they ran out and the second baseman or shortstop ran out there and, and botched the play because they were out of position and weren't playing their role. So a, cha- a second chair leader has to know their role and where they fit and what they are called to do in that position. And ultimately, you are an under shepherd under the 
under shepherd who's just above you. Now, every church, every ministry, it's going to look a little different how your organization is formulated. Uh, historically, in a lot of, especially smaller churches and Baptist circles, you have ultimately, there's there's one leader. It's the senior pastor, and then there's everybody else. Now, a lot of churches are moving more to even the elder type format where you have, you have multiple associate pastors you sh- who are kind of equal and have equal say, equal input, mm-hmm. yet still there's always one who's at well, he may be equal, consider that he's still one step ahead. Yeah. He's still the final guy who is that chair one. If you look at any of those churches who use that format, there's still one who is the lead and who is that chair one. And ultimately, really, everybody else is a chair two, maybe some threes and fours. But even a chair two doesn't have to be on staff because there are a lot of senior a churches who only have a senior pastor and the student minister is a volunteer. The worship minister is a uh, or song leader even is is a volunteer. They're chair two leaders. They have roles of leadership in the church, even though they're not paid for it. It may not have a lot of input in the daily decisions of the church, mm-hmm. but they're still chair two leaders within the church. So I would just simply define a chair two leader as anyone who's in a role of leadership that's not the primary leader. Yeah, no, that's good. I think that's I think that's a good distinction to make. I, I like what you said. Not even. It doesn't even have to be a person who's on staff or on, on salary or paid staff or anything like that. Uh, I think that's a I think that's an important distinction to make. So, um, no, that's great. What, what was the name of that book you mentioned? Just curious. Um, the book is "Leading from the Second Chair." Okay, we'll so be sure good, to have that in the, sto- the show yeah. notes. As well. It's a it's a good book. It's it's got a lot of good insights. Well, I like the distinction that you made, Ben. About it's it's all about kind of context. You know, I think about your situation, the church you're in. You have all these years of pastoral experience. They're serving together. But at the kind of the top of the heap, your first chair leader is Don Chandler, who has been there for a long 42, time. 42 years. Yeah. And he's got so much experience. Very good, godly man. And that's exciting to watch. So, well, let me, let me kind of take a step back. If okay. What do you think are some good keys um, to being a, a great staff member, being a chair two leader in a church? Knowing your role, that's that's important. No, you're not chair one. Right. Um, and stay out. Try to stop. Don't try to be chair one. That'll get you in trouble quick and probably get you out of the chairs. If you try to be <laughs> chair one and you're not, you probably won't have a chair very soon. Uh, but a couple other things. Be genuine. Be you. Don't try to be someone you're not. Don't try to be the youth pastor who is at speaking at all the concerts and events. Just be you. Be faithful where you are in the role where God has you right now. Be genuine. Another thing I would say is be trustworthy. Do what you say you're going to do. Don't leave people wondering, hey, is he going to really follow through on this? But if you tell people, hey, we're going to do this, and if unless providentially you're hindered, do what you say you're going to do. So be someone who they can depend on and trust especially in student ministry and children's ministry, they're putting your kids in your care and trust, especially if they're going off on trips. You better be trustworthy and let them know that they can depend on you. Uh, another is, I think this is important in all ministry, but you got to have a good work ethic. There are a lot, the ministry is, can be a place where laziness uh, becomes rampant if you're not careful. Uh, because there's not always people around watching you. If you're working at Walmart or if you're working at a, an accountant's office, the boss is there watching to see if you're working. 
But sometimes in ministry, there is a lot of time when you are responsible for your own time, your own study, your own preparation. You've got to be have, having that good work ethic where you are there, you're doing the job. Even if no one's watching you do it, you are putting in the time, putting in the effort, you're available. I, I think some of those kind of keys will go a long way just in the second chair and the people will depend on you and that'll help you be able to stay in that chair a longer time than if you just don't, and then just simply don't do stupid stuff. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know how to say it less bluntly. Just don't be stupid. Yeah. yeah. Stay in your lane. Yeah. Yeah. Not the stupid one. Yeah. And I think even in that, in this day and age, we have to be very careful, especially with social media. You know, I have a lot of strong political opinions, I very rarely share them publicly. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of opinions on culture. I have a lot of opinions on church stuff. I don't share a lot of those. We, we've got to be careful and be, as scripture says, wise as serpents in what we say and how we handle our language, whether it's talking directly with someone or what we put out there on social media, because our people are watching that. Um, you may not think they're all seeing it. And you may think all your friends elsewhere are seeing those things and you may be getting lots of kudos from them, but your church is seeing all those things too. So you've got to be very sensitive to that. Be wise with what you say. It's better to um, say nothing than say the wrong thing. You know, hey, and just a little side note on that, Ben, you know, it seems like, you know, I, I think one of our jobs would as a chair two leader is to is to even protect the chair one leader. Um, our senior pastor in many ways. And I've, I've found uh, that, or it it just seems to be true that if a chair two leader um, acts dumb, or in other words, gets in that stupid lane, uh, most of the time people run to the chair one leader and say, Hey, did you see what they're doing? In other words, it's taking away from their time. It's adding things to their plate. And, and all of a sudden we've just inadvertently made their job more difficult when, we, it could have been easily avoided. And so you're exactly right that don't do stuff. That's going to have to make the chair one leader divert his attention from his study or the things he has to be doing to handle stuff you shouldn't have done, or you should have done better taken care of in the first place. Um, yeah. Don't make him do that. You said something else too. I think it's interesting. Part of our role as a chair two leader is to be loyal to that chair one leader. Now, obviously, oh, yeah. obviously, if they are, you know, unfaithful to scripture, if they're teaching heresy, you need to speak up and those kind of things. But if it's just a matter of opinion, you need to have your chair one leaders back. You need yeah. to be united and have a team. One of the things we talk about in our staff here, and we've got, you know, seven pastors and six of us have served nearly 10 years together. Some of us more than that. But we talk about we have some staff meetings where we disagree strongly. And there are some times when there's strong words between us, we just don't see it eye to eye on how we should do something. That's not scriptural issues typically, but <laughs> you know, how we, you know, plan an event, what we should we do next? What should, we disagree. But when we come out of that room, we're a united team. We don't go to other people in church. Well, I want to do it this way, but they thought it was this way. And I got outvoted and try to build people to our team. Yeah. So when we leave that conference room and I, there aren't many people that would do that, I don't think, in church. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I've met a few in most churches, but but you can't go out and try to get people on your team against the other people. Yeah. You have to be a united front. That kind of behavior is going to lose you your job quick. That's right. 
That's right. Well, you know, and, you know, so you're, you're kind of talking in this, in this vein of thought, you're talking about, you know, how you handle <clears throat> disagreeing with one another. What, what do you do with conflict? Uh, cause I think there's a difference there between disagreement and conflict. How do you, how do you handle conflict between you and, and your chair one? I think there's a couple of ways. If there's, when my chair one has, or the Don has had to come to me at times and say, Hey, I think you need to pay attention to this. But I, and I, there's sometimes I say, have you thought about this? Um, when you're coming from a chair two to your chair one, you've got to be careful not to be accusatory because you also have to remember they're in chair one. And a lot of times if they say, Hey, don't do it this way. I really want you to do it this other way. They've got some experience or some information that maybe he can't even tell you, but he knows. And so you need to be, you need to trust him in that. And if he says, Hey, do this, you need to do that. But I think uh, being honest with each other, and being honest with each other and transparent and being um, knowing that you're loyal and you're not going to go out and undercut what he's trying to do in his leadership out in the church will earn you the right to speak privately with him and discuss things. But you need to be honest with one another. You'd have that open door. If he can say something to you and you can say something to them, but your friends still afterwards. Um, and so there, there needs to be a lot of that understanding and realize that that disagreement on how things go and how things are done in ministry is okay, but it within closed quarters, I think, or clo- behind closed doors. But when you go out to the church, you've got to be unified. You've got to be together and put a, a unified leadership front, or you're going to start dividing and splitting the church. And it's not typically the senior pastor who's going to lose his job in that instance. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm going to let Dan ask a question here in a second, but I've got one more. I'm sorry, <laughs> <right>. Dan. So... <laughs> But, you know, so I I was just sitting here thinking because you're talking about some good stuff and you're you're being super transparent. um, And I appreciate that. But you said Don, Brother Don has been there for 42 years. Mm -hmm. You're bumping 20. And so that means when you started your role at the church, he's already been there over 20 years. Right. Um, And so I'm just curious, like I'm assuming that your answer that you just gave about how to handle conflict I bet it's a different answer now than it was 20 years ago. Um, and, well, but, I, but I bet it's, I bet it's, it's seasoned obviously with time, but you know, over, over all of that, how is, how has it been, um, you know, building just a friendship with brother Don, you know, and how important is that friendship maybe in, uh, in dealing with conflict and disagreement and just, can you speak to that? It's absolutely imperative because the guys here on staff, we all have disagreements. We've all had to go into the, each other's office and have some difficult conversations from time to time about, hey, I think you really messed up here. You might need to look at this. They've said it. They, We were talking about it the other day, actually, on a podcast, and um, they – We've all got to thinking about it, and every one of us had gone into every other one's office at some point and had one of those difficult conversations. Mm. But after the fact, we still go to lunch together. We're still friends. And part of that comes with the time. They know we all want what's best for the other one. And because we have been there for them and they we've got each other's back, it earns we earn the right to speak those difficult things into their lives and into their ministries. And now it's that the ironing iron sharpening iron that helps us make each other better in ministry because we're encouraging one another and we know each other's heart. I know he really wants what's best for my ministry and I want what's best for him and the church overall. So if we're saying that it helps us with that process and we, you know, most time we, we pray together and then we go eat lunch together and, you know, we send, 
text each other, even about not church related stuff, just what's going on. So we're friends outside of that. Um, and when we have disagreements in the role of the ministry, they're disagreements in that role. And then we settle, hey, here's what we're going forward. We all get behind that. Even if we disagree with some things, we still get behind it. And then we're still friends afterwards because my friendship with them is not based upon them doing everything my way. Because healthy disagreement is good within a church staff. Yeah. Because right. if if everybody has the exact same opinion on everything, you know, on our church of seven staff of pastors, if we all always agreed on everything all the time, six of us would be unnecessary. Because hmm. <laughs> the one person could just make the decision. But we yeah. come to a consensus, okay, even though I don't agree, I think this is, we're going to go down this path and I'm going to support this path, even though it's not what I would have liked to have done in the first place. That's okay because I'm I'm more concerned about us being a unified team than I am getting my way. Well, Ben, let me ask you. you talked about working with other staff members, and for many of our listeners, there the the staff really is a volunteer staff. Maybe mm-hmm. you've got these different leaders in the children's ministry or the the student ministry or worship ministry. Um, what about friendship and relationship with the the chair one? Like say with with brother Don and your situation or, or with any of us, what is that for? How important is that friendship? It's, it's critical. Um, you know, we don't have to be best buddies with your pastor. You don't have to, you know, go golfing or go hunting or go fishing or jogging with them every day. It doesn't have to be the only person you talk to, but you've got to be friends. You've got to trust one another. You've got to have that because if you don't have that trust relationship, you can't say those difficult things to each other. You, you're going to hold back. You're not going to be transparent. Um, I do think it goes into uh, the ability to be able to speak into that is important from the trust perspective. But as a chair too, you also have to realize I don't have to say everything I think. Just because I think something I think is a good idea doesn't mean I have to share it with my, my chair one leader. I need to sometimes just keep my mouth shut and follow under the leadership that God has placed in a place that's over me. And that's a leader guiding me. And just know I'm not chair one. Um, I think I touched on this a minute ago, but there is a lot of weight that comes with chair one that doesn't come with chair two. Because in, in my role as an education minister, I primarily answer for education and missions. In a student ministry role, you primarily answer for the student ministry. But that chair one leader in the church, he answers for every one of them. And he's responsible for making sure that the membership is content and happy and faithful, doing what he's called to do, that the offerings are sufficient to cover salaries because he knows your family's dependent on that salary just like he is. So it's not just one person, um, that he carries that weight in a unique way. And so... There are times you're going to disagree, but we as chair two leaders really need to focus on giving grace to our chair one leaders. Um, give, I think this is good, just principle in every relationship, but give people the benefit of the doubt. Trust the best. Hope the best in every situation. Don't assume the worst. Our culture, we're terrible about that right now. We assume the worst first. But assume what's best. Assume that they have pure motives for what they're doing, that they they are wanting you, you're good, and for your ministry to succeed. Assume that versus going at it saying they're just attacking me or they don't want me to succeed. Yeah. And that'll go a huge distance. 
that's a good word, man, you know, and not to detract too much, but it, it seems like, you know, even, I mean, even in ministry, this whole victim mentality has just kind of crept in, um, to, to our churches where you can think that everybody's out to get you, including the, the senior pastor, you know, or whoever's over you. And man, so I, I think that's such a good word to think just to, to assume the best. And, um, you know, and that goes back to what you said about friendship, you know, uh, you, know, you trust one another. There's give and there's take. You know, I mean, you, you're all you're all kind of putting into the pot, and uh, ideas are swarming and things like that. Your idea doesn't always get first place, uh, but sometimes it does, and people back you on it. And so it's just a matter of trust. And I, I just think that's a great word. I, I've I've one thing I'll, I'll say this, not to take too much time, but one thing I've always appreciated about about my senior pastor, and I've been with him now for seven years, is he is so gracious to me and. Uh, he'll let me make decisions and he'll let me in many ways, he'll, he'll give me wise counsel and, and I, I want to listen to him. And there's times where I've, I've done it my own way and, uh, there's been success, but then there's also been times where I've stumped my big toe pretty hard. And, um, he didn't come and say, I told you so, uh, he just, you know, he let me learn, you know, but he's not trying to micromanage me. And, uh, and I've always appreciated that. And it's allowed us to grow in our, our, friendship, but also just in our, our trust, uh, within the ministry together. And, um, so man, I, I think that's a good word just to, to trust one another. Don't assume the worst, assume the best. Yeah. And when you do that, going into the friendship more, when you trust one another in the work environment, then it can even expand out easier because we go in each other's, Hey, I got this with my kids. What's going on here? You know, Hey, did you ever deal with this with your kids? Cause we've got some staff members who have kids who are grown and, and we can then share our personal struggles, our, our family. And that's healthy to be able to share those burdens because you need somewhere as a pastor and as a student minister or whoever to share those concerns that you're dealing with. Cause pastors a lot of times tend to keep our problems bottled up and our struggles. And, and we as pastors struggle just as much as our membership does. We struggle with different things probably, but we still struggle walking through this life and you need someone who you can go in and say, man, I, I just wasn't the husband I needed to be today. And what can I do? Uh, my kids just are holy terrors this week. What, what, what did you do? that got you through someone that you can just be honest with yeah. and not have to have that facade up that you have it all together. Cause the truth is you don't. That's right. None of us really do. Yeah. Um, so you need those places where you can have those genuine friend conversations. Well, Ben, I, I really appreciate you talking to us about tier two leaders, especially for those of us working in student ministry. Uh, we, we think of our role as sometimes very difficult and it can be. Mm -hmm. uh, but when we have a proper understanding of what we're doing, and if we have a good lead pastor, it can be an incredible experience. So, Chris, as we get closer to the end today, uh, today uh, do you have any other questions or comments for Ben? You know, I've got one, and, and it's it's a big one, and so I don't expect Ben to to give me a a really long answer here. But in a chair two position, it seems like that you know task and different things can easily just kind of be not dumped, but just kind of shifted in your direction. And so I'm just, I'm just curious, you know, what kind of encouragement, what kind of advice would you give a chair two leader who just seems like, you know what, I can, I'm always working on these other things and not the things that I, I really want to work on. Um, in other words, how do you manage time? How do you 
uh, maybe set, you know, you, you've already spoken to it a little bit about not being lazy, but how do you not get caught up in that, that hamster wheel of just doing a bunch of admin work and, and not, uh, and not doing work that, uh, like the pr- preparation for preaching or whatever else, you know, uh, what, what would you say to that? You know, you, you talk about the the hamster wheel of the administrative work, but see, for me, that's my that's my wheelhouse. I love the ad- admin side of stuff. I'm an administrative minded person, so that's the fun part of work for me. <laughs> so, okay, so let me just say, I I, I do too, but I'm I, I find myself. This is a personal question. I find myself doing too much of it, and yeah, and so I'm just trying that? to figure out, like, how do I, man, how do I put boundaries on this? What happens is the tyranny of the urgent. These have to be done right now. Can you do this right now? And so studying gets pushed back or preparing for that meeting gets pushed back because it's not till seven o'clock tonight or it's not till next weekend. So this, hey, yes, this flower pot has to be moved right now. Happens. Um, There's a great English word that'll help. No. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Have you been talking to people that I know? (laughs) But but honestly, there are a couple of ways you can do that. You just got to be, what are your priorities? What has to be done? And so some of those things, if you're a student minister, one of your priorities is studying to present the word of God. Another high priority is spending time with those students, developing those relationships. And if moving flower pots or putting up Christmas decorations is keeping you from doing that, you've got to be honest and saying, you know, I'm not too good to do these things. But if I'm on pay, you're paying me to do these other things. And if I go do that thing, I can do that. But if I spend time doing that, the job you're paying me to do and you've called me to do is going to suffer. So you're going to have to prioritize. And I think you make appointments with yourself for studying. You know, schedule and then you can just be honest. Oh, I've got an appointment I've got to get to. You don't have to tell them it's with your Bible, but that's a priority appointment for you each week. If you're yeah. preparing to teach and and preach each week, that's the highest priority. So you just schedule right. that time and say, I have an appointment I've got to get to. Go out and support the people who are putting up the decorations or getting ready for the party. Say, man, I thank you for what you're doing. I've got an appointment I've got to get to, and I just appreciate what you're doing. And go do what you need to do. Um, you know, don't use it as an excuse not to do anything you don't want to do, because honestly, there are a lot of things in ministry that you don't want to do, but you got to do. Them. So don't use an excuse to be lazy, but just learn to say, no, I, I don't have the bandwidth to do that. Let me help you find someone who can do that and who's going to do a better job even than I can. Yeah, don't I good. mean, admit, we're all these egotistical people and we feel like we have to do it all. You don't have the answer to everything and you aren't the only person who can do stuff around your church but we're to equip the people to do that work so help them find someone to do those things that's right ouch man stop stepping on my toes (laughs) no i know (laughs) i'm preaching to myself too so hey it's a good word man it's a good word oh man i appreciate you being with us ben as we've talked about tier two leaders you know if somebody wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about the podcast what are some ways that they could do that? Uh, they could find me. I'm on social media. They could, um, I've been underscore South on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, you can email me here at the church. If you go Ben S at Conway central church.org, or you can find chair two leaders as chair, the number two chair two leaders on social media. If you search it on Google, it'll pull up the podcast. They can find it there. Uh, just chair two leaders and you should be able to find the episodes and, follow us and keep up with us. Yeah, it's it's a good, good uh, podcast. You guys want to give it a listen. And so, Ben, thank you again for being with us. And listeners, thank you for downloading and listening 
Uh, we're thankful for you and want to connect. You can reach us through social media or at info at studentministrymatters.com. And remember, we do the work because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.